Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Through the Looking Glass. Teleplay by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, and directed by Winrick Colby. This episode aired on April 17th, 1995. This week on Deep Space Nine, in the Mirror Universe, Sisko must persuade the alternate version of his dead wife to join the Terran Rebels, or he will watch her die a second time. <laughs> I love when they um, utilize the trauma of his of Sisko's wife dying to. Uh... <laughs> plot out an episode of deep space nine um yeah it's yeah <laughs> i was like i guess before we get it i was like oh before great. we get into it elise we'll start we'll start this episode as we often start the episode did you or did you not remember this one i did not remember this no, nothing no, like no 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 even individual like story beats or, or plot elements or everything it was all like no I didn't remember to anything. I didn't remember. I like not one time during watching it was I was like, oh, I remember this. Nope. <laughs> I must have been like completely head empty the first time I watched this. So when Smiley appears at the beginning of the episode to kidnap Cisco to the mirror universe, did you think that was Julian at first? Or, or sorry, Miles at first or no? Um, I knew this was a mirror universe episode um just based on the thumbnail picture um from the the episode but um i didn't think about it (laughs) i don't even have an answer to that (laughs) i like didn't think one way or the other i was like okay let's just watch this play out um but it was really funny it was almost a journey getting to the correct episode because itunes like fucked up the order of the episodes for me I don't know if I had ever said, but, like, obviously in the U.S., these episodes are on Paramount+, Plus. but iTunes was having a $30 deal sometime, I don't know, earlier this year, I guess, for, like, the whole season, the whole series, so I just, like, did it yeah. in case it ever went away, um, and it, like, said that episode 19 was Improbable Cause and that episode 20 was Through the Looking Glass, <laughs> like, it confused it, and then... I don't know that this if this is why, but I read after that this episode was actually filmed after the next episode, Improbable Cause, but Improbable Cause got a second part to it, the die the episode The Die is Cast, yeah. which comes out after. So the original plan was just to do this episode and then do Improbable Cause, but when they decided to make that a two parter, they switched around the, the airing up ep- the airing order. So I do wonder if it was like okay, iTunes like went in the filming order, production but, order, yeah, production order. But yeah. Anyway, I was watching with AJ, and <laughs> we always do like a countdown to like sync up, and so we oh we a lot of the times instead of saying like play, we'll like do a, like a joke or something. And I was like, how improbable is this cause? And he was like, I think you're on the wrong episode. <laughs> like that was like what i had written so i like didn't get that far into it and then um we figured it out so i just switched to paramount plus because i couldn't try to figure out 
iTunes. Like, I didn't know. Sorry, this is really long-winded for what the story actually is. But I couldn't tell if they, like, confused the episodes or if they confused, like, the file. So, like, you're thinking you're putting on through the looking glass, but it's playing improbable cause instead. Like, it was very confusing. So, then I... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure their listing or whatever they got was probably like the production order list yeah i specifically um, went to and not like what it aired in yeah i specifically went to memory alpha to double check that i was watching the next aired episode like regardless of which one it was yeah. so yeah yeah and like typically like uh, while there will be like different kind of sometimes shenanigans in the like production versus like release order mm-hmm. of star trek like another i think a really good example of that being is spoilers for the first season of next generation but they actually filmed skin of evil where tasha dies first and then I, is it symbiosis i don't remember the like the episode that airs before it it was actually the last episode that denise crosby filmed so at one point at she's in the cargo band the doors are closing you can see her kind of waving in the back because that's like her last episode and last scene even though the next episode is actually the one she dies oh, so i like, didn't know that that's happened before um but star trek isn't like a lot of like what can sometimes happen in in animation is where there's a production order that makes the story make sense and then for whatever reason because some episodes get finished faster than others there's the release order which jumps around kind of like this so like you'd have like part one a couple other episodes and then a part two like i think two examples that i'm really familiar with of doing that are um star star wars the clone wars and then batman the animated series Mm -hmm. also does does that as well so for whatever reason it seems to happen like a lot more in, in animation. There's some, so. some sitcoms that have that too. Specifically, Happy Endings had that issue. Um, and actually, if you look to watch Happy Endings now, I think it's on HBO Max and it might be in another streaming service. They actually finally have it in like the correct order for the story. Um, but like yeah. last, I've, I've watched it twice, but the last time, I don't think I even realize or the first time i don't think i realized and i was like that show starts about a breakup and it was like time had gone back had gone by and then there was an episode like later in the season when there were they were real awkward with each other and i was like i thought we were past this and then i realized yeah (laughs) yeah a couple live action shows that like i'm thinking about aren't that had this same kind of problem and both actually in the kind of sci-fi and or sci-fi like adjacent like space genres were firefly and crusade crusade being the babylon 5 spinoff but again those were shows that didn't last like their first season and i think part of it was probably the order they released the episode and it not making sense and people following it so it's it's really kind of strange that itunes has it listed that way um because of course like star trek at this point season three isn't airing it that way Um, yeah it's it's weird you know is what it is you got it the moral of the story is you got it figured out and we're (laughs) here and we're covering we're covering through the looking glass come back next time for improbable cause (laughs) yes tldr uh you know we'll get there I was thinking a lot this episode about, you know, the actors and having to basically, well, some of them had to play two roles. Actually, no one plays two roles in this one. 
Because Cisco, well, yeah, the only character Cisco has to play two roles, but right. So I guess yeah, that was like yeah, the only like regular cast that plays the like prime universe versions of themselves are Cisco and then Odo and Quark at the beginning, and they just have their like one scene where it sets where Quark gets Quark and Morn get busted with a bunch of voles that may or may not. (laughs) Be for vol fighting. <laughs> I had for I did forget about. They were the painting vol. numbers on them. We were counting them. Oh, Quark. Morn's gonna be so disappointed. Quark. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I it was kind of fun to see Avery Brooks play Cisco and then have Cisco playing Mirror Cisco. <laughs> like that was it was fun. Um, I do. Yeah, and I think this episode got we got to see a little bit more like range from like Brooks, which they like they allowed him to kind of like you know do more. Um, I think Mirror Cisco is like a lot more like you know swashbuckling in crossover, which was the the first DS9 Mirror Universe episode that we covered last season. But it's it's nice to see him. Tap into that and not, yeah. To be fair, Mirror Cisco's dead. <laughs> so he can't do anything That he now. is. But I just really, yeah. I love in any show, honestly, or movie where someone is like in someone else's body or like has to pretend to be somebody else. Like I very much enjoy that. So it's just like a trope that I really like. Um, I do think that O'Brien and Smiley are the two closest characters like in their... Would you call it prime? I never know if prime means not the mirror universe or prime is like not Kelvin universe. Well, one's prime and one's composite. Sorry, that was a math joke. Oh, I don't even like I didn't math. get I don't it. Know why I made that joke. <laughs> it went over my head. Like prime numbers versus composite numbers. Uh, um yeah, composite? so like has as I pardon me? Composite numbers? Composite. How are you spelling this word? Prime and I'm not actually making you spell. I just think we pronounce it the word differently because of her our accents. Like composite. Like here, let me just. <laughs> I love this. C o m p o s i t e. Oh yeah. Composite number. Yeah. Composite number. Composite. Composite. Well, let's call the whole thing off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's interesting how like. And this, I think we commented on this. I should have probably gone back and listened to our crossover episode, but I didn't because, you know, I'm a real professional podcaster that way. Um, Miles, like, smiley in crossover is, like, a less, like, you know, confident or self-actualized person than Prime Universe Miles. But, like, that's just based on, you know conditions right and kind of the environment around him and like we've seen now that he's this like more self-actualized version of himself so they're really you're you're right Elise. i don't think there's a lot of difference between them so on one hand it's like is miles one of those like incredible like weird nexus or hinge points where he's a constant in every universe or are the mirror universe counterparts of our prime universe cast, um, not really that different 
at their core. It's just they've had different experiences, right? Like it's yeah. an it's an interesting like thought to go down. And I, and I guess just circling back as as I understand it, when we're talking about like the main air quotes, like Star Trek timeline, like of the like TV shows largely, yes. the shared universe there, that's the prime universe. You have the mirror universe and then prime versus Kelvin, right? Being that like so other timeline. Prime could be used both ways. Like for both instances. No. As I understand it, Prime is just like the like stream of which like Shatner and Nimoy are in. And then either Kelvin or you I've I've sometimes seen it ca- called like T O S A U, like the original series alternate universe. That's um Quinto and Pine. No no no. Sorry. I'm Yes, I agree with you. I think I was just phrasing it weird before. That's what that's how I understood it. I just didn't know if Prime was like only used like I was thinking of it like there were two sets of things, Prime versus Kelvin and Prime versus Mirror. But really it's like Prime it's like a triangle kind of not a triangle, but like it's three different things, not four different things. Yeah, and like it can get and again, there's it's not like perfect because then you have like over the course of like different things, you have now it's like this is great podcasting because we're gonna need like you know charts. Like, I back really to the do feel too. like we're like Charlie it's, it's like... in like <laughs> it's always sunny with like the thread, the like murder wall or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, but yeah, it's like kind of like if you think of it like it's three distinct lines, yeah. but then they intersect at various points, and then those are different from when like something changes in history and they have to go back and fix yeah. it, right? Which would still be like the prime universe, or you know, okay, I'm on or whatever, I'm on right? the correct page now. But I did want to say about huh. Miles that is isn't that what Lazi has said when he comes on? He was he on the last Mirror Universe episode? Or was that someone else? I mean, I it was remember. a Ju- it was a Julian heavy episode, so maybe. But I do remember, I remember. him saying that can he look it up here that he was like the nexus. I feel like not the he might not have used that word, but I feel like there was a comment about this made before. All I'm saying is this is not the only example of like Miles. Yes, Lazi was on that podcast okay. with us. Thank you. I just looked it up. Cool. It's nice to remember I can remember things we talked about in May. (laughs) (laughs) That was not why I was... I wasn't like, you stole that idea or anything. I just meant, like, this isn't the first time it comes up. So I I agree with you that that is a thing. And speaking of of shared universes and and hinge points, um, we had a cameo... Well... mm, Somewhere between a cameo and, like, you know, a, a... full-on guest star supporting role in the Terran resistance cell. We see, or we have, I should say, Tim Russ playing Mira Tuvok, who also seems very much like Prime Universe Tuvok, to be completely <laughs> honest. Yeah, he was really uh, primey. Um, I forgot that he was in this, and I laugh that I wrote that I forgot on the notes when like I didn't remember anything in the episode so the fact that I like didn't remember this was not something even to point out um but I will say that I had not watched Voyager prior to watching this episode last time so while he probably looked familiar to me I might not have been able to place him 
And it's his voice for me, too. Like, Tim Russ's Tuvok voice is just very, very distinct. Um, What's interesting, so, again, just, I guess, to to set the the stage a little bit and where this is. So, like, season three of Deep Space Nine is airing at this point concurrently with the first season of Voyager. So it's it's very much a, hey, you're watching Deep Space Nine. Here's this character that you're possibly familiar with it's like hey remember that we have um star trek voyager going on over here which star trek kind of did before in season seven of tng where we have birthright part one where you know picard and the enterprise are featured in the pilot of deep space nine but then it's where we have like the julian data stuff and it's like hey remember we have this other show going on here and the character in the script of the the Vulcan in the Resistance was originally supposed to be Sarcona, who folks might remember from the Maquis two parter, the the female Vulcan who yes. you know is flirting with Quark and everything else. We love her, and I'm um, waggling so being a, my eyebrows a, a little bit right now. Awooga! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, but Rick Berman. Fuck Rick Berman. We we it's been a while before we yeah we haven't a, talked about him in a Rick really Berman. long time. <laughs> had a actually pretended to care about Deep Space Nine in this moment because he asked for it to be changed to Tuvok again. I think because of the like hey remember Voyager sort of thing. So yes. again maybe not like I don't think it harms or hurts anything right. and like I enjoyed it but like you know i i would have been nice to see Sar- uh, like mira sarcota too yeah i i was excited to see tuvok but had i known that we could have gotten sarcona i might have been a little disappointed i do think it makes sense to have another person there as aj was pointing out to me on friday like odo is dead in the mirror universe too i think so it's not like they really and quark is dead in the mirror universe so like they didn't really yeah. have a lot of options from the main cast and obviously this one has rom in it as well but yeah so it made sense to have another person so it was still fun to see him um i will say in general the mirror universe episodes get less and less exciting for me the more of them that there are and i don't mean to be down on this episode or anything i enjoyed it it just wasn't as exciting to me as crossover agreed i and i think I guess light spoilers for the next 30 seconds. Um, we do keep coming back over the, the seat, the, over the seasons that, that are to come um, to the mirror universe storyline. And I definitely think it's a bit of like diminishing returns for me. It's like each time they, they go to it, it's like, yeah, it kind of furthers the mirror universe plot. But like, I think the episodes from what I remember get more and more meh as as they go and like i was thinking about this too and like doing that research that the tuvok role was supposed to be sarcona who was the maquis character in the the prime universe and like it would have been interesting if the show more heavily like leaned into the idea of the terran resistance being the mirror universe parallel to the maquis Mm. um as as the Terran resistance, you know, standing up against their oppressors and like, you know, everything else and like explore, like having someone like Cisco or whomever like crosses over, draw those parallels a bit more and maybe do some like soul searching about their perspectives on the Maki. Um, 
but maybe in in a lot of senses that's that's too much to ask for from you know nine mid mid 90s star trek you know um i just to say one more thing on this i think for me it's more that the mirror universe is more exciting when the characters are less aware of what's going on like that is part of the fun for me so as it happens more and more no one's surprised or scared or not not scared but like yeah it's not it's not like i don't know <laughs> well and i think it sets this Ooh, mm, yeah i'll go there i think it sets kind of this weird ish to me precedent where it's like now the modern shows can like go back to these things like oh we need a mirror universe episode because it's star trek and like that's a thing or like other future things that get referenced in modern shows that like deep space nine introduced where it's like they already had diminishing returns for me on ds9's run as it goes so it's like i don't need star trek discovery like picking up this thing from the lore and like doing its own like twist on it you know what i mean like yeah and not to like get too far into discovery i did enjoy the mirror universe in season one of discovery and then i for the most part would have been fine with that being it i didn't not like i i did actually enjoy that maybe more than i enjoyed this episode um but it didn't have to go on for as long as it did for me yeah and I mean, we're not a disco podcast, but like that whole, I should at some point revisit that first season of Discovery just because it is kind of all over the place a little bit. Yeah, I had, a, um, I mean, I had a different. But again, there's, there's real world like production reasons for that yeah. too, right? Like... I watched that later after it had, after season two even had aired. So I had a very different experience, but I actually really enjoyed season one of Discovery. Anyway. Back to this episode of Deep Space Nine. I will say that, and I don't know if anyone else got this, but this whole plot in the Mirror Universe felt like a Star Wars to me more than a Star Trek. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Imagine, instead of shooting or going there to kill Galen Urso, they went there to, like, rescue him and, like, Andor, I mean. And I have not watched the show Andor. This is all about um, Rogue One. Um, They went to, like, go rescue him and bring him to the good side. And then that was, like, a big deal. So it just felt, like, very much, like, Rebel Alliance, even though the Alliance in this episode was were the baddies. Um, yeah, any sort of rebellion, to me, is just maybe Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. I get that. I follow. Yeah. I follow. How did you feel about the introduction of Mayor Jennifer Sisko? And, like, we talked about it a little bit before, of, like, <laughs> depriving, deriding drama from, like, Sisko's trauma. Yeah. Um, not that they call it specifically that, but, like, I think no, that's, I think that's what definitely we're calling below it. the surface. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I feel like we got two introductions to her in this episode. We got the introduction where she's not there yet, but Miles explain uses her, the existence of her, to get Cisco to help him. So there's the scene where 
Cisco has to find out that the other version of his wife is alive and helping the bad guys and he needs to so he's learning that he and his wife basically hated each other in um, the mirror universe. So we get that whole scene, which brings up a lot. And then we get the scene where they actually, you know, scenes later where they're actually together. It's funny to me because I get the impression that mirror, well, obviously mirror Cisco is in the rebel, you know, leading, leading the rebels. But I got the impression that he would not, he would help Jennifer because it helped the rebels. I don't know that he would have done it to help Jennifer. Right, right. In the same way we are talking about Miles, like, being a, like, hinge point or whatever, um, I want, and, like, we don't know this because all we've seen of Jennifer is, like, the orb experience stuff on the beach when, like, their first date um, in in Embassy when Brooks is looking all, all hot in that, you know, tank top and short shorts. Love it. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Um, And, like, there's an interesting line of analysis with Jennifer about, like, the fact that she's a professor and, like, her family, like, are Terran but are collaborators. So, like, had more of, like, a privileged upbringing um, within the structural and racial hierarchy of the Cleon Cardassian Alliance, but the episode doesn't totally go there. Like, I think Cisco uses that as like part of his pitch, but like the whole point is it's like, I don't know how different Jennifer is. Professor Cisco, Professor Jennifer is from like prime Jennifer that died at Wolf 359. And I think it then just brings down like my whole question about the mirror universe in this episode, whereas it's like, in Mirror Mirror, it is like the TOS episode. It's very clear. These are the evil versions of our characters, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And now like I'm thinking about it and I'm like, are these not, this isn't like quote unquote, the evil universe. This is just the material conditions and political conditions are different. So like these people act differently or behave differently because they were raised in like, a different environment but they're still the same people it's just their experiences have shaped them differently they're yeah. not necessarily like born evil yeah or air quotes evil like yeah. you know what i yeah, mean yeah it's so... doing a completely different thing than mirror mirror i actually never considered that until right now and i think that you're spot on and i hadn't really either so it's just and I think that's, like, ultimately, not to, like, pitch our own podcast on podcast, <laughs> but, like, I think that's one of the things I, I enjoy the most about this project and other ones that I've done is, like, that that invitation to, like, reappraise and, like, think about a little bit differently. And then it's, like, I almost wish that, like, the show would have, like, gone down some of these paths a little bit more and there was even when i was on memory alpha there was a quote about this episode from ira that talked about like really liking the jennifer and ben scenes and how like they felt he felt this was a strong episode but it was like so jam-packed it it also could have been like a two-parter and expanded yeah and then, like maybe i would have liked it more i don't know i did not like it but like i didn't love it 
Yeah. Or as Karen said when she visited for past tense, one and two, a one and a half episode. <laughs> that would have been perfect yeah. for that. Um, yeah, that episode actually did go by kind of quickly because it was like very fast paced. Um, and it was like here and then there and, you know. One of the things I love about the Mirror Universe are the vibes. Just the set, you know, the set is the same, but it's just designed a little bit differently. You know, it's darker. It reminded me of the Matrix and like the machine world and how the sky was all dark. Um, Obviously, that was because the people thought the machines would stop working if there was like no uh, solar power or whatever. But um, here, it just looked very similar. Um, even this, I actually turned the lights off to watch the episode because it was so dark and not in like a Game of Thrones, the long night kind of way, um, just to lean into the vibes. And I had forgotten about this, but AJ reminded me that in season one of Discovery, this is a little bit more spoilers for that show, Lorca had the issues with his eyes, like the discovery was too bright for him and i don't know did you remember that about that matt i didn't until i saw it in the notes and like on one level it's like yeah that's like an interesting like character beat that it's like they're like laying the track for and like foreshadowing for like reveals later but like it also is like representative of something that i'm like i don't love about like shared universe ip world building like storytelling where it's like oh here's this like very clear like artistic choice um to demonstrate how we can use our existing sets on the defiant to you know represent make it look different or that you know like we do when they see Tarek noir in the past in the prime timeline versus you know Deep Space Nine or like this Terraknor in like the mirror universe. Like it's making a like a design choice and coming out with like this like textual based reason for this like real world like production choice. Yeah. And like I don't always love that. Yeah. Um I know you're working your way through I Enterprise, about so I won't this also. talk about I, I won't talk about I mean you can, I know it's my favorite things that enter- that Enterprise like added to the canon, but it's just like yeah. 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 I mean, I've had, I've, I know all about it if you wanted to get into it, but I understand if you don't want to. We'll get more into that next season. Oh, yes. Because. Yes. I know when we'll talk about it. Because one of my favorite bits leads to one of my least favorite things yes. about Star, about like Star Trek. So, uh, the Lord giveth and the I'm Lord like, taketh away. I feel like my mom should come on for that episode. Anyway, um, if we're thinking of the same I don't one. know if I can handle two of you. <laughs> Entirely fair and valid. Friends, my mom is also an Aries, so, you know, that's where that's coming from. So I mentioned this earlier, but I just really enjoyed watching our Cisco pretend to be mirror Cisco. Um, there was a couple times where it was just really funny. Like, he basically let Smiley tell him to punch Julian. Like, that was a really, really funny, um, because our Cisco would never do that. And then he basically, like, when he 
when he finally sees the intendant and he basically gives her this like huge kiss hello it's just so out of character for our cisco that it was a lot of fun to watch i think another example that we can point to about this new thesis that i have developed about the mirror universe is mirror garrick um and the ways in which mirror garrick is very different from the garrick will familiar with but i totally believe that our garrick air quotes our garrick would be like mirror garrick if his life had gone a different way right? yeah i mean his whole his whole thing with gold Ducat all the time is how he did he was I, it's funny to me because in our world, I would not separate people like the military from like the spy organizations. Like that is just all the military industrial complex to me. And I don't, it's in yeah. my brain together. So the fact that Garrick and Ducat have this like, I guess, interagency uh, vibes feud <laughs> is like really. Is, it is funny because it makes me think like he would be he's not even like gold Ducat in in mirror the mirror universe he's like a a more childish version of both garrick and Ducat almost like he's jealous and screaming all the time it's really just opposite of his usual demeanor but like i think too like the the core or one of like the core elements of i think both garrick's um personalities is their distrust of everything around them right and i think that's something that that both garrick's the garrick the garrick i garrick i garrick garrick's i would say garrick i but for funs for funsies so now well maybe in the Kelvin universe, Garrick is the Kai. Garrick Kai. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit more about something that we talked about last season when we covered crossover, which was generally the way like queerness is like coded in the mirror universe. And like we talked a bit about that with Intendant kira in the first time and again like watching this when she's like reintroduced we have the like reintroduction of the deprived bisexual trope yep and just as like a refresher for that um the typical deprived bisexual in media is by because why not their willingness to sleep with everyone they can is just one facet of like what's coded as their like craziness or their their villainness they don't consider anything taboo they will do everything um they are supremely manipulative they're recognizing the effectiveness of sex as a control mechanism sex is power and they'll resort to it at every opportunity successful seductions gain you know gain them new thralls unsuccessful ones make people fear them etc etc right so it's just like that idea of bisexualness being evil um and i recently rewatched basic instinct for an appearance on noir vember of friend of the pod tessa's 
other one of her one of her other podcasts, Monkey Off My Backlog, and we talked about nineties noir, and then we talked about the depraved bisexual trope, um, vis a vis like Catherine Trammell, so Sharon Sharon Stone in, um, in Basic Instinct, and in some ways, is the intendant like a cartoonish Catherine Trammell? I don't know, and again, I'm wondering. I feel like for me this episode specifically and especially with some of the Cisco stuff it's obviously not great in how it's coded but like we're flirting with both or not flirting we're like having both the deprived bisexual trope and then another trope known as like pragmatic pansexuality and that's defined as when a character seduces or flirts with both men women people of any gender expression as a mean to achieve their goals um and again it's it's what it also reminded me of is the americans Mm -hmm. right when the idea of professionally seductive spies assassins who use sex to gather intelligence etc etc um and yeah the the pragmatic pansexuality trope is definitely common on among depraved bisexual villains but over the last 30 30 years or so it's become more common kind of with heroes as well and i think we have a little bit of pragmatic sexuality in in this episode as well so yeah it's just kind of interesting to look back and like again i don't think tropes are inherently good or bad necessarily like i think sometimes they have bad implications but and it's like how you use it that's different but yeah it's it's just interesting because when we have Intendant Kira introduced, it's this very like hedonistic, like very clearly she's bi because she's flirting with both the like bald hunk and then the woman that's that's there as well. I don't know. How did you feel about Intendant Kira this this week? Um, I agree with what you said because um, she makes that specific comment to that the woman who oh well, she tells that guy like you're delectable or whatever she says to him and then she says and you too to this lady and I was like it kind of was like oh the the evil bisexual trope is basically what my mind said um, there was one point where she was getting I don't remember what she was talking about but because I. This was on Friday when I was watching it, and she was delivering a couple lines, and she was angry, and I felt like her frustration sounded more like Kira, like Major Kira, than Intendant Kira. So I, I, not, it's not that big of a deal, but I did feel there were a couple of times where Nana's performance, at, like, defaulted back to Kira. Defaulted back? Or is that another data point in our nature versus nurture argument of the differences in the universes. <laughs> um maybe. But I do think intended Kira views sex as power. Oh right? yeah, no like, I, I agree. I agree. And more on that on the episode that will have been out for several weeks at this point. Um, on Monkey, Monkey Off My Backlog Through the Lens of 90s Noir with Basic Instinct, Devil in a Blue Dress, and Out of Sight. All great movies. I can't wait to hear it. When this airs, I will probably have heard it already. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had some interesting hair choices in this episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. Did we ever? I'm trying to think of like oh another character 
over the course of my life that I've seen that hair looked like Jillian's and it definitely would have been like an annoying woman in like some 80s television show. What Jillian's wig reminded me of is several years ago I went to a game of <laughs> and was do was doing <laughs> listeners at least blew out the mic because they were there um and i was doing Sorry. like part of a group like 90s oh like God. game of thrones sort of like like cosplay and i bought this like john snow wig and it was you know the, the kid harrington curls and it was great here in, in edmonton when i wore it <laughs> and then i packed it and then we flew down to nashville and all the heat and humidity and like <laughs> you know different conditions then it was here. It just looked like shit. Didn't you leave it and there? And was all like poofy and whatever. Yeah, I think I did. Because <laughs> it's just like whatever. I'm sorry, guys. It was, was so funny. Good. I loved it. It was ridiculous. On the opposite scale, uh, end of the scale, I thought Dax's hair looked amazing. I thought it was very hot wig. Yeah. Yeah, Dax is especially hot this episode. Yeah. She was. I couldn't tell until the end, like, if Rom was faking out Kira or, like, who... I couldn't tell if he was, like, a double agent or, like, if he was trying to play Kira or not. Still not entirely sure what happened there. As I understand it, it's, like, he went to, like... That was how to get them on the station. So he was like, right. when it seems like he's betraying yeah. Cisco at all, he was doing it. He's on purpose. Do, it's like a double. Yeah. It's a plan, double crossed. And then Garrick, being the untrustworthy fellow that he is, ends up torturing him anyways. And that's how the the plan gets unraveled. Yeah. So he's he, he Mirror Ram is dead too now. Well, and, and this is like we now establish that um, whenever there's a. Deep Space Nine Mirror Universe episode, um, the Ferengi dies. <laughs> I, or a Ferengi dies. There is definitely some sort of like an angel gets their wings joke in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible and mean, at least. <clears throat> I didn't really have much else to talk about with regard to the episode at large. Um, I didn't think that there was that much going on with the plot. It was just like a lot of melodrama, which I think is a very mirror universe thing. So to be expected. I think the only other thing I wanted to like touch base on was there's that conversation when Cisco's trying to like turn Jennifer over to the, the rebels and like he makes the argument that she might be <laughs> more enslaved than the Terrans and Vulcans at all in or processing because her cage is guilt. Like he doesn't phrase it this, this way exactly, but because she's in the gilded cage and like, you know, her parents were collaborators and you know, all of that. And that was interesting to me in terms of like, she doesn't because her material conditions have been so different from others like she doesn't necessarily see her own oppression like yeah like her she's well better off than a lot yeah. of other people in the world um like she's eaten but like but she's yeah. still like in the higher like lower on the hierarchy somewhere right and it's like i think sometimes especially on the left 
we're not the best at like as much as we like we're not the best at practicing what we preach and it's like oh you have an office job you don't use physical labor so you can't be you're not a real worker yeah. you're like not right yeah as, you're not exploited in the same way and it's like yeah i like i on some hands like yeah i'm not necessarily like putting my body on the line in the same right. way but i'm also not like physically putting my body in line because i do like desk work like that still has like complications and it's like yep. if we're going to like create change it's like that requires like solidarity across different phases of being a worker against the same oppression with different factors yep. right so again the show's not super going into that yeah. kind of wish it would but that was what again if we if we get that you know as as karen said on past tense an episode and a half <laughs> out of out of this yeah and that's something they could have like jennifer could have would have had the time to wrestle with instead of just having the one conversation and then like you're right also, you seem like a nice version of my ex-husband. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little, I was a little happy she got there in the end with like realizing it wasn't um, her ex boo or whatever. But um, I do think you are totally right about how that conversation could have been a little more interesting. I mean, like the the episode's conversation, not necessarily their, yeah, their yeah, yeah, yeah. dialogue. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Cool. Continuing with the theme of the idea that these are the same people, they've just had the nurture around them, not their nature, impacted, and that's, you know, why they're seemingly different than are the versions of the characters were, were useful. Because, again, it's easy to be a saint in paradise, as, as Cisco outlined earlier. Um, I want to talk a bit in the Altair Water Thirst Quencher, Altair Water first being mentioned by Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Three, how all of these characters, even in the Prime universe, are gay as fuck. So, like, it was nice in some ways to see them all be gay. <laughs> and it's like, let them be gay! Let them be queer in the Prime universe! Like, Pirate Julian? Shave his head? Take that ugly wig off? I'd bang him. Yeah, He's got some like rage in it. That could that could be fun if we could kind of channel it. Um, Cisco, yes, please. Kira, yes. Dax, yes. I feel like you just need to put Julian's hair like in like a man bun or something, and it would probably be better. I'll give him a top knot. Sure, on that five o'clock shadow, Daddy. Let's go. Who are you thirsting for this week? Because apparently I'm thirsting for everyone. <laughs> There's something in the ether. It's, it's so been a funny week, because folks. like a lot of times you're like I'm thirsting for no one, and I'll like have like a, a list, not a list, but like I'll have like a specific thing. So it's funny that you just had a list this time. Um, <laughs> Cisco is a huge fucking slut in this episode, and I'm here for it. Our commander gets to bang uh- twice. He's a hot man, so he should fuck. So I'm just really glad that it happened because that is our Cisco fucking. Which yeah. also leads me to some consent issues. Um since it's yeah. basically like your twin brother fucking your girlfriend instead of you and not telling her. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think that's a little bit of like the expression I was referring to when you talk about like the pragmatic pansexual stuff. Right. Um and that's what like made me think about the americans like light spoilers for the americans 
Um, but oh, what's Martha? The one who's this? Yes, thank you. It's like like Clark air quotes and Martha, which is um Philip and just that whole like marriage situation. Yeah. And then yeah, it comes out later and and Philip actually I think does have feelings for her and cares about her like certainly but again like that also has like consent issues and that's whole like the spy thing i was talking about where it's like again not great and must be really fucking weird for cisco to like fuck his a mere version of his best friend but also like clearly he's vibing with this other version of his ex-wife like it's just i don't know it's it's weird and like not great and i don't want to think about it too much to be completely honest Yep, but I wouldn't be me if I didn't at least say it. Do you have a candidate at least for your nominee for most Star Trek thing of the episode? I think just the fact that like they're getting more and more hand wavy with the like being able to go through the dimensions. <laughs> like yeah. it was like an yeah. accident last time, right? And then this time, it... well, and yeah, the first two times it was both and an accident, like... and like they couldn't use the transporter to get back because the transporters had changed. Yeah, right? and this time Smiley point. had some like thingamabob, and it just worked in the transporter. Yeah, I mean, just wave this over, and you know, it changes the transporter. It's like okay, whatever. Um, my nominee for most Star Trek thing, we kind of alluded to it before, was the redressing of the Defiant set to be the Terran Raider. They changed the lighting. They added some more stuff. Some of the Okitograms and, like, the wall panel graphics mm. they used from <laughs> the Undiscovered Country. So it would be, like, a little bit different, but it's, like, it's clearly the Defiant set. <laughs> like, yep. you know what I mean? It's, like, work. Well, until t- next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at chicken double underscore tendy. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at Hugh M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch Elise and I together on Instagram at PodRace. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe Twitter at PodRace. Maybe not. <laughs> it's an interesting time in the internet. But you can always email us at PodRace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.